Hey, Chris, how are you? Good, Jan. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate you having me on. No problem. So for all our uh, listeners out there, we have Chris Dobbin. He's the CEO and founder of Nova Leap. Nova Leap Health. It's uh, TSX Venture Exchange. The ticker is NLH. Um, a reason I wanted to kind of bring you on, obviously, we're starting uh, starting 2019. We've obviously featured this company uh, in the past. Uh, for full disclosure's sake, myself and our firm, we've taken a position in the company in their last private placement at 35 cents. And uh, stock's currently trading around 31 cents here. But uh, I wanted to get you on for a couple reasons. And one is I wanted to kind of, t- for you to kind of uh, take our subscribers through tw- what you saw in 2018, what your plans are for 2019, where you see the catalyst. And the biggest thing, what I wanted to see before we kind of get started there, what I wanted to kind of let subscribers know is I've been sending out a lot of emails and especially through our social media about the SETI filings and the insider reports that you're doing. And this is something that uh, the amount, this is something that nobody does, and that is management buying stock. And that is something that you, Chris, have been doing a ton of over the last couple months. You just put another 100 grand in at 35 cents. You exercise your 35 cent warrants, which is a premium to, to the market. And, uh, and you're showing a big sign of confidence in your company to the street that you are willing to pay a 20% premium and then put your money where your mouth is, which is absolutely massive. So I want to kind of commend you first on that because that's something we don't necess- we don't always see, especially in the junior markets. And uh, this is from, for all our subscribers out there, this is a, a three to five year deal for me. Uh, I see this thing for the long term, which is why I wanted to get involved. And I see tremendous upside. And, uh, and I wanted everybody to get as excited as, as I am here. So with, with that being said, Chris, why don't you, we kind of get started. Maybe you can kind of take us through a little bit of kind of the, uh, a review of, you know, short highlights of 2018 and, and what you kind of plan to do here in 2019. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to you and your subscribers again. Um, so, so obviously we're in a home care services business and if we sort of take a step back towards the end of 2017, you know, we do our best obviously to, you know, indicate to the market and to shareholders of those maybe have an interest in the company, you know, what our plans are for the following year. So at the end of 2017, I can't remember if it was October, November now, uh, we went out to the market and effectively put two targets, if you will, to the market. The first was the acquisition-oriented target, so how many acquisitions we planned on doing within uh, 2018. And the second was um, effectively a, a revenue run rate or, or an annualized uh, revenue target for 2018. So the, the acquisition target that we had for 2018 was up to four acquisitions. We did five. Uh, so we were, we were fairly busy on the acquisition front. Um, primarily in New England as well as one business in Halifax. We, we stuck pretty well to, uh, to, to the New England states, so we're now in Vermont, uh, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, as well as in Nova Scotia. Um, so we exceeded that target, which was great. Uh, the, the second uh, target we had was our annualized you know, revenue run rate or revenue run rate. And so we had ended 2017 with, with uh, roughly a $4 million U.S revenue run rate. That's that's pretty much what we were sort of, if we were to take our billings at that point in time and stretch it out 12 months, that's effectively where we were at that point. So 
we indicated the market that we expected to end 2018 with at least a U.S. $10 million revenue run rate. We actually exceeded that by June of 2018, and and we reported obviously that we're we're upwards of 15 million U.S. Uh, to, to finalize 2018. So uh, so effectively, we exceeded that target by 50 percent. So. From my perspective, obviously, 2018 was a really strong year from us, um, you know, both on the acquisition front, um, but also just on, in terms of, I think, one of the things we've done a really good job is identifying good businesses, historically profitable, great management teams in place, great caregiver base, and really we've been able to work with the teams that we've effectively acquired to continue on, you know, with the great work they've been doing. So that was 2018 for us which, uh, again, just to summarize, but I think that's a, a pretty solid year. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, uh, no, I think that is great. And <clears throat> what are your kind of, uh, what are your kind of plans for 2019 to really kind of build some, to, to build on the momentum that you guys have had in 2018? Yeah, you know, I, I see 2019 as being fairly similar to 2018 in terms of our focus. So, you know, we continue to focus on the private pay businesses. So we think about home care, home health care. You know, there's different ways in which a company can make money. There's sort of the Medicare and Medicaid, you know, reimbursement route, or there's private pay or out of pocket. And and our businesses tend to be 85%, you know, roughly private pay or out of pocket. So those people we provide service to within their home or their adult children. And the other 15%, you know, generally is a combination of veteran affairs, or long-term care insurance. That's, that's primarily our, our breakdown. So, you know, I anticipate we'll continue to look at those businesses. Uh, you know, we're in, we're in conversations with owners on a fairly regular basis, so we've got a decent pipeline and, and really always have since we've started making acquisitions. Uh, we did announce recently that we expected to make up the four acquisitions in 2019. So, again, you know, fairly similar to what we'd indicated uh, for 2018. Um, you know, based on the number of deals we see at any given time, you know, I'm pretty comfortable that we'll, we'll achieve that number. Um, you know, obviously it's depending on continuing to get non-dilutive financing, which we have through a, a Canadian chartered bank and, and any amounts that we may or, you know, may need in the equity markets. But, uh, I certainly anticipate the 2019 will be pretty similar to the 2018. We, we did indicate that we expected serviceable hours to increase between 50 to 100%. Uh, you know, personally, I'd like to double the business in 2019. I, I do think that's achievable with the team that we have in place. That's awesome. And it, it, tell, maybe tell us one thing on um, uh, for all these, because we've been getting a lot of new listeners and new subscribers on our letter. Can you take us through who is your customer and and what exactly do they do? Let's 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 dumb it down to like the the beginning stages. So if I need uh, home care. How old am I? Who am I? And how does I? And how do I go about hiring you guys so we can kind of show subscribers the whole, the entire process? Yeah, you know, generally we would be dealing with individuals that would be, you know, north of sixty-five, and and really a greater percentage of our client base would be north of seventy. Okay. And you know, if we look at our client base now. You know, we're, we're roughly 60% of our clients have some form of dementia, uh, you know, which, which, which could be Alzheimer's as an example. And so we're, we're generally dealing with uh, an individual or, or you know, a, a, a husband and wife situation or a, a family situation where 
you know, the daughter or, or son or, or combination is, is looking after their parents and, and, and really the individuals that we're dealing with need some help, right? It, it could be that there's mobility issues and need help, you, you know, just, just going to the bathroom or showering. So personal grooming, uh, again, dementia care is, is, is really where we focus. Uh, it could be errands or shopping or medical appointments. Medication reminders is, is big in our space, uh, or, or it could be administra- medication administration. Again, depending on sort of the state in which we operate, uh, we do also have the ability to, to uh, administer medication, usually under the direction of, of uh, one of our registered nurses. But you know, that's, that's typically what we look at. So home care is often referred to as the non-medical care. So this is, again, the medication reminders and, and dementia care, mobility issues, and so on, whereas home health care typically is referred to uh, as the work that's being done under the direction of, a, of an RN or an LPN, which is a, a licensed practical nurse. And that could be wound care or, again, the medication administration. But that that's, that's the type of work that we do. Uh, generally, it's within somebody's home. So our, our target market is really helping to provide service within you know, individuals' homes. I think if you look at the Surveys that have been done, you're upwards of 85 or 95, 85 to 90 percent of folks, you know, want to remain in their home. The kids have grown up there; they have their memories there; they feel comfortable there. Uh, But we also do provide one-on-one care within facility settings. So, you know, uh, assisted living facility or a nursing home, for example, uh, particularly where we have someone that has dementia that needs one-on-one care or support. We do that as well, Um, and we also participate in, in both hospice and palliative care settings as well. So, you know, we sort of run the gamut in, in uh, the post-acute care uh, side of things, but, but generally we're providing care, you know, one-on-one within somebody's home. Okay, awesome. And so if, if that's it, because uh, in the States, and I know that it is a tremendous expense to even in, to go to an assisted living facility. I mean, it costs like eight to 10 grand at least around there. And this is just for like a regular assisted care facility for for somebody that wants to go there. And so, let's say they want so they want home health care or they want home care. They want they want somebody to be there. Um, they call one of your locations. How much and a nur- and they hire one of your nurses. How much does it cost per hour? Yeah. So so I, I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to bring your subscribers' attention there. Uh, one, you know we're generally billing between 25 to $28 an hour for uh, non-medical care. So this wouldn't be uh, for an RN. This is typically for a continuing care assistant or a certified nursing assistant, as an example, or, or a personal support worker. That's, that's generally what we're paying, which is fairly consistent with uh, you know the industry. Um, one of the questions I get quite often is, I think what you've alluded to is sort of the cost of living within, you know, a, a, an assisted living facility or a nursing home and paying, you know, effectively a, a rental amount to get all access to all the amenities. You know, my, my view is, you know, if you've got someone that's looking to stay in their home and they really want to stay in their home, it, it's, it's not an apples to apples comparison. So, for example, we may only have to provide 10 or 12 hours a week of service that would allow someone to remain in their home, which is if, if that's what they wanted to do. So when I look at sort of the hours of service we provide, you know, typically we're as low as three to four hours of service in any given shift, all the way to 24-7 care, which 
we provide as well. So it's not sort of comparing our 24-7 care to paying a monthly rental amount. It's generally, you know, what does, what does a client need and is it possible for us to provide, you know, a certain number of hours of service that would allow them to remain, you know, comfortably and safely within their home. That's, that's sort of the way we look at it. Okay. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. And um, <clears throat> let me just see here because I, I want to, to address a couple things here. And um, I know you mentioned the insider buying, and I'm happy to speak on that. I, I would like, yeah, if, if you don't mind, because I think that is something that we, we really do not see a lot of times in, uh, in the junior space. And you see it like, you see it a lot of times. I remember it was about a year ago when Jamie Dimon came on CNBC and he was talking about a stock and he was, JP Morgan was getting hammered and he came on and he said, you know what? I think my stock's undervalued and every CEO says that you expect that, but he came in and put 10 million bucks, uh, in the company at 55 cent or 55 bucks. And, uh, and that was basically the low on the stock. And that was, they called it the J, the uh, Jamie Dimon low on JP Morgan. And he called it right. He put his money where his mouth is. He's obviously done extremely well on his stocks more than doubled since then, but it gave, it gave investors confidence that, you know what, if it's good enough for the CEO, it's good enough for me. And the fact that you not only are buying stock in the market, but you're exercising warrants to put more money in the treasury at a premium to the current market price you know, alludes to obviously your confidence in the company and um, and how much you believe in the story. So good on you on that. But yeah, and would love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I, I think if you were to go back throughout our history and you were to look at the private placements that we've done, both on the non-brokered and brokered side, I, th- I think what you find is that I was a lead investor in all but one of our private placements. I, I believe that's accurate. Um, so I've I've Again, with the exception of, I think, one private placement, I, th- I think I've participated in all of them. And, and again, as a lead investor, you know, you know, being the first one to say I'm in and then having other follows, um, I, I think that was important, you know, to, to show confidence to people that, you know, I, I believe in the direction of the company. Um, and, and that goes all the way back since our founding uh, back in 2016. If you take a look at you know, some more recent buying. Um, I think what you'd see is that we had one of our directors was buying uh, quite a bit of stock in December. I bought some. And then more recently, what you're alluding to is the exercise of options. Um, so I, I do have uh, options that uh, were set to expire in March of this year, 35 cents. Our stock was trading at 30 or 31. Um, but I exercised the options. Um, you know, I'm very, very comfortable with paying, you know, or, you know, when I paid, I think it was a 16% premium. Um, you know, that, that to me is, you know, we're, we're, we're really just getting started for, for all intents and purposes. I mean, you take a look at our growth last year. I mean, we're still a small company, but had significant growth. And, and I honestly don't see us slowing down. Um, you know, we never are short of opportunities. And, and quite honestly, when I started the company, I really believed in a couple of things. You know, aside from the fact that there's a huge opportunity for us to provide dementia care in the home like we've been doing, um, you know, that that service is going to be more and more needed as we expand our company. But I, I really believe two things. One is we'll never run out of clients during my lifetime. I and mean, I think we're at the cusp of what's going to be a 40 or 50 year run uh, for a company like ours. And, and two, I, I didn't think we'd ever run out of opportunities to expand either organically or by way of acquisition. And, and 
you know, thinking back when I started the company back in early 2016, um, you know, that, that those two notions to me have really been reinforced. So, you know, I've been very comfortable buying within a market, very comfortable leading our private placements, and again, very comfortable in exercising options that were at a premium to the market price here recently. No, that's that's huge, and uh, and it's massive vote vote confidence for. So thank you for that from from me, obviously, and and from all your other shareholders. Um, and the other thing I wanted to just quickly touch on, I remember when we met here, you came into my office. We were talking about, and I said, you know, what is the biggest risk in this business, or one of the biggest hurdles that you see? And usually in any business, it's obviously you know any business provides a service, and you hope there's a demand. In your case, where you were telling me there is massive demand. And you're just trying to keep up with the supply and your supply basically is the amount of nurses that you can provide to do the care. Is that, is that, am, am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I, I, I would, I would, uh, the only thing I, I would change would be, it may not be a nurse, right? We might have a personal support worker or continuing care system. So on the non-medical side, it may, the work may be overseen by a nurse, mm-hmm. either an RN or LPN or someone with a, a, a geriatric background perhaps, but um, the work may be done by other people, like our caregiver base is fairly diverse. Um, but, but you're absolutely right that, uh, you know, demand for the services is not really an issue. I don't, I don't see that as having been an issue. I don't see it as being an issue going forward. Um, you know, demand just based on demographics and the aging population. Um, and yeah, and really talking about individuals that have chronic illness, so a long-term illness and, and that, that's really why they need some form of assistance. So that demand, I think, will continue to be there, and, and that that is really not a concern of mine whatsoever. Um, but you're right. I mean, we we are we, in order to fill that demand, we have to make sure that we have qualified caregivers, um, uh, and and that we we have a stable of caregivers that we can access as we grow. So that that really, I think, is the challenge within the industry right now. And and um, and I think the way in which um, we've approached our our caregiver base by really treating them as our first level of clients as the way we view them. Um, I, I think that'll bode well for us as we continue to grow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, no, I really appreciate this. And if you don't mind, Chris, I want to kind of keep keep doing more of these podcasts and sending them out because I think it's it's a big thing for investors and subscribers and anybody listening to this to kind of really get a sense of your passion and what you. Th- and uh, your determination, your passion, how much belief you have for the company. So, uh, you know, even if we have to do, you know, shorter podcasts, but a little bit more often, be more than happy to bring you on because this is a company that I'm going to be following for a very long time here. I'm going to be a shareholder for a long time and, and I love it. And I think it's got plenty of upside. Well, I appreciate you having me on and I'd certainly welcome the opportunity to come back anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. care. Bye-bye.